You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast number 34, which is now part two of Kobe Bryant, Life and Death. It is only a couple hours after I did part one. Tonight is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. The podcast I just did was very lengthy, the longest one I've ever done. And I know um, it takes a lot of patience to get through this audible type experience here where I go back in time to even when I was a child growing up, my love of sports, being a writer in college 50 plus years ago, connecting so much of what has just happened to the American sports world, to the nation, to the planet with the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter Gigi, her friends, two of whom were on the, the helicopter as well as all of the other eight people who passed away on this, pa- on this past Sunday, January 26th. The reason I'm doing a part two is I want to add another spiritual component to all of this. There were several things um, that in the long first podcast to kind of bring everything together in the largest context, I did not share about uh, Kobe Bryant's birth chart, um, his passing at 9.45 in the morning as the helicopter crashed and what it means for all of those souls on board, as well as the chart for the city of Los Angeles and a few other things. So let me start by saying, if you, if any of you have listened to my other 33 podcasts, and particularly the 32 podcasts before the last one, as well as if you were ever a reader of Welcome to Planet Earth magazine, our pioneering astrology journal, which was not just my own, but several dozen astrologers and great astrology writers wrote for Welcome to Planet Earth in the 1980s and 90s. And thanks to all my great teachers in astrology over 47 years, I feel very thankful and privileged to be in this field, as well as also to be a writer and a reporter. Another thing I often will mention um, as I do this is my feeling very fortunate that I was able to be a part of what is called Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing Company, the Arcane School, World Goodwill and Triangles, which are all organizations that are still in existence. Their headquarters, at least in the United States, is in New York. You can go online at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T.org. There's a lot of free literature there on different three spiritual festivals, the the full moons of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini, so much other literature that you can um, access for free. There's over two dozen books, uh, both by Alice A. Bailey, a few of them, and most of them being the Tibetan master D.K., who was the inspirer, teacher of Alice Bailey. Before that, he had overlighted Helena Blavatsky, if you are familiar with The Secret Doctrine, and Isis Unveiled, and the foundation of the Theosophical Society in 1875. 
Um, I was fortunate to go from my work, which was for a short time at Lucis Trust in New York City in 1974 and 75. I was fortunate to go to Findhorn, the Findhorn Foundation, 1976, to live there for several years. And I bring all this up because to this day, I have all kinds of books um, by the Tibetan master DK inspiring Alice Bailey. I am continuing to read the Dalai Lama's The Path to Tranquility, which I got at a used bookstore in Eugene, Daily Wisdom, different themes every single day, and now I'm reading it over again, and I find the Dalai Lama's views and ideas very important in each 24-hour time period, even if it's a small snippet. I encourage all of you, if possible, to look into lucistrust.org for complimentary literature, for ebooks or books to expand your horizons if, if you haven't done so in that area, to connect with the Findhorn Foundation in Northern Scotland, which is probably findhornfoundation.org, I would assume. If you go to Google or Safari or wherever you go online and you look up Findhorn, F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N space foundation, you will undoubtedly find their website to get literature about classes. And that was founded by Eileen Caddy and Peter Caddy and Dorothy McLean, who just, she just celebrated her 100th birthday. Eileen Caddy and Peter Caddy have passed on. Uh, they founded Findhorn on November 17, 1962. Um, when I was there for a number of years, it completely changed my life. And I'm, I'm bringing all this up because the lessons that I continue to learn um, as I read these various books have to do with group, group realities, team activities. Think, in, in sports, everything is team sports. Now, there are there some amazing sports, you might say like the 100-yard the dash, um, certain kind of sports in Olympics, um, like the decathlon, for instance, or the hurdles or any kind of a thing where the key is the individual excellence. Um, nevertheless, the competition, there's always so many people running in the 100-yard dash. So it's not as if it's one person and you're competing against so many different people. But the reason I brought up at the end of the last podcast, the situation about 176 souls dying uh, on January 8th, which almost led to the beginning of a hot war in the Middle East is, and this is, I've shared this in a number of podcasts. I come from New York City. I'm born four years after Donald Trump was born. Um, even though I know that he went to a military academy in his teenage years and uh, supposedly he was the first baseman of, the, of their team. He might've been captain of the team. I know that in many ways he and Rudy Giuliani would often go to Yankee baseball games and connect with George, um, George Steinbrenner, the team owner. Um, nevertheless, there is something amiss in our government at the present time, which bothers me, me immensely. I have always, I've said before that um, I am, I'm an independent. I often will look uh, toward a Democratic candidate potentially um, hopefully that that person, man or woman, would be able to lead the country. But often I find that 
Democrats make a whole lot of mistakes and no, no po political party has all the answers. And there are different Republican candidates at this point that I might consider voting for uh, instead of a person like Donald Trump. But, but what bothers me the most in all of this and in comparison um, to the greatness of, of Kobe Bryant and particularly his greatness as he transitioned over the years from, from coming out of high school and not going to college and going directly into the pros and being the youngest person to ever do so and the challenge that that created in his life, um, this educational journey of his, this, this worth it, work ethic, the triumph that he was able to accomplish despite all the difficulties and imperfections along the way is very important and particularly the love, the love from his teammates, the, um, the feelings and the emotions of the millions and billions now really around the planet who have revered him, who look up, look up to him, particularly young people, not just in basketball, but in other sports and other ways of life. And I was very impressed when I saw uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who I didn't know uh, as a com comedian was so close um, to, Kurt, to Kobe Bryant, um, how he appeared in a solo manner on Monday night with no studio audience in order to set the right tone for what he wanted to convey. So I'm starting off here. I, will, I want to focus and shift over to the things I didn't mention things that are of astrological significance. But as I ended part one, I began sharing more about the events of the beginning of 2020 to set a kind of, um, not an equivalency, but for us to look at a situation where the leader of the free world is not a group and team player at this point. Um, this is what I feel is the greatest danger and seeing, I mentioned uh, The Guns of August, the great book by Barbara Tuckman about the accidents that led to World War One, the sort of uh, lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding of war leaders, the different treaties that had been created. And when the, the Archduke um, Franz Ferdinand, the heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, was assassinated, in that case by a 19-year-old Serbian nationalist, um, Gavrilo Princip, on June 28th, 1914. And by the way, one of the things I didn't mention in the last um, podcast was that many years ago, and I will probably eventually get to this, I tied the astrology of the Titanic, which sailed and, and um, capsized, sank to the uh, in the North Atlantic during a void moon, April 14 to 15 of 1912, that event in that chart became very connected to the beginning of World War One, And that chart is also connected to the crowning of Charlemagne noon on Christmas Day in the year 800 in Rome, which is the beginning of what we might consider to be European civilization. And that chart was in a book called Sex and the Outer Planets by the great astrologer Barbara Waters. She also included a chart in that book about um, the birth of Islam 
uh, in the in the 600s AD. So different time periods have different kinds of charts. So in this particular situation, um, one of the things I want to say that I didn't exactly say was that the whole purpose of the helicopter ride was having to do with these, these three young girls, 13-year-olds, and the parents on board and the, the necessity to try and get there during a foggy time period. And again, the pilot not knowing how dangerous it would become. And of course, there's going to be an enormous investigation and hopefully there will be changes put into these private helicopters to make sure that they have the kind of radar and different um, equipment, which this particular helicopter could have had, but didn't have. And so um, these, this, this situation didn't have to happen. And that's one of the things that's going to start happening here as we look look at the eventual results. Um, and again, it's, it's not just sad, but it's shocking to realize that um, helicopters of the city of Los Angeles and the police department were grounded, but this particular helicopter was allowed to travel, perhaps because of um, the noteworthy skill set of the particular pilot. Another thing I heard is that there could be two pilots. In other words, there was definitely room for two pilots. In this case, there was only one. I'm assuming that most of these helicopter rides that Kobe Bryant uh, took, um, there was only one pilot. I know there was another pilot before this person named Ari, who's 50 years old, who passed away and who was experiencing a close Chiron return in his birth chart. So let me get to the matters at hand. I just wanted everyone to know this is profound and sad for all the families, for all basketball fans and sports fans in America and around the world. Nevertheless, this also touches upon American history. It touches upon, as I shared in podcast one, oddly enough, um, sports people who have excelled and yet also experienced a lot of pain. For instance, the Kurt Gibson story about the power of Chiron and being a wounded healer. The fact that Chiron and is conjunct the moon at the birth of Kobe Bryant, that amazingly in, synch in synchronicity that the city of Los Angeles founded September 4th of 1781 has the same Chiron as Kobe Bryant. And when I, when I was doing the podcast, I only saw that because there's so many, when you do a chart or several charts, there's starting to be dozens of celestial bodies and you can't catch everything. So it was another eye opener kind of in my own mind. Oh my God, here's another extraordinary connection. I didn't make the connection to Los Angeles until yesterday. In other words, I knew that Los Angeles had a chart and I knew that Los Angeles's chart was one of the ones that has over the course of time been verified as being significant. There are charts of cities, like for instance, in, in Eugene, where I live, there's a chart for when Eugene was founded by the founder, Eugene Skinner, apparently of when he first got here and when he, he, uh, 
sort of planted his flag, okay, this is Eugene, and there's kind of a foundation point, but then there's a chart for the incorporation as a city of Eugene. And here in Eugene, that chart is the one that is used. So different charts. Um, I There's a lot of attention I have to New York City and its chart, which can, one of the charts goes all the way back to the 1600s to Manhattan and the and Manhattan um, coming into being uh, in exchange from the, the Native Americans at that point. And then New York City, changing from New New Amsterdam to New York, connecting um, people from Holland to to England and so on. And then there's the five boroughs. There's a chart for the five boroughs of New York City, January 1 of 1898. And that's the chart that I use a lot, very powerful chart for New York with the power of Jupiter exactly rising. So cities can reincarnate just as individuals can reincarnate. And then again, in, in the last uh, podcast, because I had written something, a very important article um, called Malcolm X, Life and Death, a, about two days ago, I was thinking, what will I call this? Because it's not just Kobe Bryant passing, it's this this wonderful daughter, one of four daughters who loved basketball and who he was coaching and who was destined, it seemed to be, to go to college, uh, to be part of a women's collegiate team. I think she was thinking Connecticut, which has a very powerful team in in uh, college basketball for women and going on to the WNBA. And so now her, her uniform, number two, um, I just saw today, one of the Los Angeles Lakers who has that number is giving that number up and asking that it should be retired by the Lakers. And I think there's a good chance that could happen, that number two will get retired to be up there um, at the Stable Center along with eight and 24. So all of this brings up the idea of team playing, um, learning about group consciousness, which the Tibetan master DK uh, in the Alice Bailey books is constantly talking about that, that disciples and neophytes and students on different levels need to be able to give up and the, the big focus on, on, on personal ego, on all kinds of personal desires, not that people shouldn't excel, they should, but they should excel and work hard because in a way, there's a certain impersonality, and I don't mean non-caring, I mean service to others in a kind of group dyna dynamic, which develop, allows people to develop a kind of telepathic understanding on mental and intuitive levels. So this is part of the lessons I have been learning throughout my life. And I shared in part one, feeling fortunate to go for seven years to a sleepaway uh, summer camp where I was so active with other friends who were a big part of my life for two months every year, in addition to all my school friends playing all kinds of sports. And then the fact that I was not um, somebody who liked being in school all that much as a kid, and I much preferred all the different sports we had, softball, baseball, basketball, football, with all the friends we had, and particularly stickball, which is a big thing in New York City and many other towns, those kind of things, but all different kinds of sports as well as 
playing golf, playing tennis, playing squash, canoeing, uh, swimming, on and on and on. So the fact that Kobe Bryant decided to skip college and go directly from high school into the NBA ranks is a unique situation. Now, several other people have done that since then, and there may have been some before. But again, he was the youngest person to do that. And in going into the Los Angeles Lakers, while years later, they won all these championships, particularly thanks to him and his leadership, among others, um, that he played with, because it's, a, again, it's a team enterprise, even though he may have been a points leader and an incredible charismatic figure. Uh, nevertheless, it's a team enterprise and a team activity. I think also, interestingly enough, what since his father was a player and a coach, I can understand his desire um, when he was young to skip college. Now, in retrospect, who knows spiritually if he had a realization that he might be dying young. And apparently there were reports that he said to different people, either teammates or others, that he either not so much feared he would die young, but he sensed he would die young. Um, so uh, my, one of my great literary heroes, D.H. Lawrence, who only lived to be 44 and a half, wrote an enormous amount of uh, novels, particularly short stories, poems, uh, as well as travelogues and all kinds of philosophical papers. And he was basically doing that for like 15, 16 years from his late 20s to his mid 40s. So there's an, a, an enormous amount of D.H. Lawrence literature, but as opposed to many other authors who might have lived into their 60s or 70s or 80s, his active writing time was 15 years and he died young. So um, he had an inkling that that would happen because he was he he had lung disorders as a child and he always had um, breathing problems and he used to to talk about the bronchioles oh okay when he would get sick or have some particular condition from growing up in a coal mining area and whatever else had afflicted him as a child so when I think of Kobe Bryant I'm also thinking of people like. Um, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, um, in terms of these people who became larger than life in the computer realm, when they dropped out of college. And I start thinking, just like, what did Kobe Bryant's father say to him when Kobe decided to go directly into the pros? I'm sure it might have been like, hey, you know, I'm going to support you. I love you. But this is going to be a little bit difficult, and I hope you know what's ahead of you. And I saw an interview with by Barbara um, Walters with Kobe Bryant from many years ago uh, when he was making this decision because he had already been a standout in high school, and then he made this decision. And again, it was not an easy transition for Kobe Bryant coming into the Lakers in the first year or two. This took a lot of time um, for him to show all the leadership skills, um, to excel at what he was doing, to bring five championships to the Los Angeles Lakers. One other thing that has not been mentioned in all of this is the fact that Phil Jackson, was who had played for the New York Knicks, uh, and when I was, again, in my late teens and early 20s, the New York Knicks had a great basketball team, 
Um, it's been a long time since the New York Knicks have ever won a championship, and we have to go back to the early 70s. And um, they had a terrific team at that point. In fact, I know one of the victories was against the Lakers. They, the, I think both of them were against the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken, in 1970 and 1973. Well, Phil Jackson, six foot nine, still had three inches over Kobe Bryant. Now, Phil Jackson won six NBA championships in terms of being the coach of, of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And then he wound up being the coach for the five championships of Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles. So Phil Jackson, who himself has, um, from what I've heard, um, is a very spiritually oriented person, let's put it that way. I mean, maybe it's alternative and eclectic and unusual, and I don't know whether he's an active meditator exactly in what way. But I know that he brought in to the Chicago Bulls in those six championships and undoubtedly to the Lakers a certain understanding again through spiritual work of teamwork and group consciousness and the things that I'm still learning about and that I have a long way to go about a kind of telepathic interplay among individual players so that in basketball in that in that kind of sport or all sports again baseball basketball every one of them major sports football soccer volleyball you go through the whole list of all the different kinds of team oriented sports the teams that are going to excel have something at those moments or over a period of time often brought out by a coach look at bill belichick with with uh, the new england patriots whether you like that team or not you get all these championships or other great coaches over the course of time, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, and so on. The coach, the baseball coach, John Altabelli, who just passed away on the helicopter ride, have has all of these young men and women. Of course, his own daughter was one of the persons killed on the helicopter, who was one of the friends and teammates for Gigi. And there was the other girl there. So we have this whole kind of continuity of father and mother and, and daughter and parent and child and also teaching and coaching and guiding, which are all, when we look at Kobe Bryant's part, again, as I said before, I mentioned the Sphinx. Um, this is a symbol of, of, of mystery, according to my, my teacher, Dane Rudyar. By the way, what I didn't say was in a, in alignment with the concept of the Sphinx of, of ancient Egypt was the Great Pyramid. And Dane Rudger referred to the, the mystery of the Sphinx is the mystery of what it means to be a human being. So in the Sphinx, Kobe Bryant is born on the day of his birth. The sun is going from the end of Leo, which is the body of a lion, what the Sphinx is in Egypt, to the head of an individual. Again, uh, Virgo being a feminine sign, it's often considered the head of the virgin. And the virgin idea means the unique kind of opening of the individual who is coming out of the lionic, kind of the power of one's physical assertion and one's physical body and muscularity and intensity and desire of the animal body life of any disciple or student. And then Virgo is often connected to what's called the hermetic the, the Hermetic Mysteries goes back to Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus, 
someone who apparently was a figure who may have even been involved in the creation of things like the Sphinx and even the Great Pyramid and the Pyramids of Egypt, if you read different esoteric studies about who this figure was. And Hermes is another name for Mercury, the messenger of the gods. So as I, I said before, I mean, we have a unique situation in Kobe Bryant's birth chart where he's, a lot of people, for instance, will say, I don't know what my sun sign is. I'm born on a cusp. That's why you need a birth time. If you don't have the birth time, people who were born on August 23rd might say, I don't know if I'm a Leo or a Virgo, which has to do with the sun. That's why I didn't do this, um, the part one, immediately that night when, when I learned about what had happened, this terrible catastrophe of the helicopter crash. I wanted to do it, but as I looked around, I didn't see a birth time for Kobe Bryant, and that birth time didn't really surface officially, 5 p.m. in the afternoon, apparently, from a birth certificate, at least from somebody, an astrologer somewhere in the past, saw this and has reported it, but it's not coming up as like AAA rating, like, oh, here's the birth certificate. You see it? You know, the long form of birth certificate. And again, so the time is being reported as 5 p.m. Well, was he born exactly at 5? Was it 4.55 in the afternoon? Was it 5.05? On my birth certificate, it says 5.05 in the morning. It specifically says that. If somebody had asked my mom or my dad, they might have said it was around five in the morning. If you don't have the exact birth certificate, a long form, um, and many of you may not have that, but it, usually you can order this from what's called the, the Bureau of Vital Statistics Birth and Death Records from the state capital where you were born. It used to only cost 15 or $20. Now it might be much more expensive, and maybe you get it by email. But if you're always wondering, hey, you know, my mom said I was born at this time or there's a baby record, it says noon or something like that. You might want to investigate this if you want a chart done or to get reports like we, we sell on, on uh, Great Bear Enterprises and in the astrology shop, there's 15 different kinds of reports, but you, you want to be able to provide an accurate birth time. And if you do have that, you'll get some extraordinary reports and a whole variety that you can look into. We have samples of every single kind of report there. So before you order, you can look at them and decide, looking at famous people's uh, reports, is this something I'm interested in or not? Okay, so back to Kobe Bryant and, and the birth chart. He is the Sphinx, and according to um, my teacher, Dane Rudyard, it's a giant mystery. And as I said, it's ironic to me and amazing that apparently the great movie that he would keep watching, perhaps in the last 10 or 15 years of his life, is The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And I gave some reasons about why this is similar to Kobe Bryant. And one of the things I didn't say, which I think is interesting, is anyone who sees that movie, whether you no longer like Charlton Heston because you don't like his views on the NRA or whatever it is, or he's more right-wing, Regardless of that, in the storyline of Moses parting the Red Sea or receiving the Ten Commandments from God, this kind of thing relates very strongly to the Sphinx, to the mystery of the Sphinx. And as I said, I remember watching very vividly Charlton Heston being the host of a documentary having to do with 
the fact that the Sphinx is much older than people think. So in an odd way, Charlton Heston, some of his movies, and remember he was also Ben-Hur around the same time, I think it was two years later, um, which was up for 11 Academy, Academy Awards uh, after Ten Commandments. And then he was in so many other things. Of course, uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, The Omega Man, many other movies. There was uh, one of one of the big ones was Earthquake. I mean, it was considered a rather terrible movie, but an earthquake in Los Angeles. He was in that. Ava Gardner was in that. Lauren Green was in that uh, from Bonanza. It, it's quite a campy movie to watch. Now, I'm not saying we need to go back and see Charlton Heston, but Charlton Heston did play these heroic figures. I mean, Moses, Ben-Hur, right? Well, well, why was Kobe Bryant watching those? Why did he watch the Ten Commandments over and over again? So the magic of a Moses who was able to part the Red Sea, who was able to lead the, the Israelites who were enslaved out of Egypt over 40 years, over a long period of time. I mean, here's another thing that's important. The Los Angeles Lakers lost many times to the Boston Celtics when I was growing up back in the 50s. This was the, these were the days of, of, of an amazing Boston Celtic team, okay, on all levels. And the, and the Los Angeles Lakers, who had originally come from Minneapolis, which is another whole story, the, the land of 10,000 lakes is Minnesota. That's where the Lakers came from. So it is an odd name. I've always felt, why are, why, why are the Los Angeles team called the Lakers? It's because of Minnesota. It is not actually connected to Los Angeles. So nevertheless, I mean, the team has thrived in all these amazing championships under Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and with Magic Johnson there, um, partly as owner and, and Jerry West, who had played number 44 for the Los Angeles Lakers, along with Elgin Baylor. They, these were the two standouts for the, for the Lakers playing the Celtics back in the 50s and early six, and 60s. And I think they might have won once but they kept losing all the time and they also lost to the Knicks. So the, the apotheosis of the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's why this is so important, has happened under Kobe Bryant. And bringing up Bill Gates and Stephen Jobs, who, uh, again, Steve Jobs has passed, Bill Gates is still out there. Um, I, I have my own problems with PC computers and Microsoft is often called, as many of you know, the evil empire in terms of, of business computing and things like that. And it's been a kind of discouraging thing. Part of the reason is that astrology software, great astrology software from people like Michael Erlewine and Matrix and other organizations, has been primarily on PC computers. I'm just giving you some extra facts if you don't know this, rather than on Macintosh machines. Now, you can put Windows on a Macintosh machine, and I have done that with the, the Mac that I have, and kind of love that particular kind of thing, but it's a bit of a challenge, and you have to divide up the hard drive and do all these kinds of things, and make sure you have a, um, a geek guy who knows what he's doing, and fortunately, I have that. So I'm bringing up this idea of the spiritual idea, because we have a government at the present time, which I think is failing all of America and creating a tremendous danger around the planet, which is why I said at the end of the last podcast that the president of the United States needs to read, or if he isn't into reading, needs to listen to the audible version 
of The Guns of August, the great book by Barbara Tuckman about how World War I started so that we don't get into an accidental hot war. And because John F. Kennedy as president, his brother as attorney general, Robert Kennedy, I will share more about this in the future. And I wrote about this a long time ago um, in Welcome to Planet Earth. Because the president of the United States was an avid reader and they were both intellectual types, John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, even if your political views don't coincide with theirs, they had powerful minds. And when I share what I do have to share, and if you watch the movie 13 Days, which came out around the year 2000, uh, Kevin Costner stars in that and a number of other people. It's one of my favorite movies in terms of remembering how close we came to Armageddon of a nuclear war in October 1962. Again, I'm bringing this up because in politics, like in sports, in education, and so many other areas of our culture, teamwork and group activities, and the, the more that they can be refined, the more people like, like Kobe Bryant with his worth, work ethic, which is one of the things you in, in astrology, when you get to the sign Virgo, the sixth sign, the sign after, the power of Leo, the, the firepower of the lion, of the Zodiac, we get into the wisdom, the knowledge and wisdom seeking of what we would call the hermit or the hermetic wisdom teachings. So however you look at it, whether you look at Virgo as a feminine sign, as the sign of the Virgin, as the sign of the harvest, as a, as a sign of being meticulous and being a, an organizer and being efficient in what you're doing. I mean, his traits, what we hear about Kobe Bryant now, people are using the term legendary. In other words, apparently when he threw two air balls in, in, a, in, a, in a, I don't remember that game, but against Utah, I believe in one of the finals where he threw two air balls, then he went to practice and threw a thousand, did a thousand uh, shots from the floor, whether they were free, throw, free throws or whatever they were. But almost like to punish oneself, uh, like to, to discipline oneself, to perfect one's skills. So as he kept on doing this over the course of time and as having a coach like Phil Jackson, who had already won six NBA championships, um, you have all of those particular energies at work. And again, Kobe's own father, again, in, in Kobe's chart, son conjunct Saturn, so close, um, as I mentioned in part one, having Sun opposite Saturn and, and anyone who has Sun-Saturn in, in, in any connection. See, the United States has Sun squaring Saturn. So the United States, in its revolution to, to leave Mother England and leave the, the King of England as a monarch. Again, what we're dealing with now in the United States and I find that that's why the passing of Kobe Bryant, the passing of John Altabelli as a baseball coach, the fact that the three young girls were on board, where these are coaches, these um, we're talking about teamwork and so on, whereas the impeachment of the president of the United States is all about a person becoming above the law. Um, this is the issue at work, and where Republicans and conservatives who support the president may be saying, hey, was this didn't... This isn't on the level that he should be taken out of office. It may have been a mistake and so on and so forth. And whereas the Democrats and people on the progressive left are, are saying 
this is definitely impeachment worthy and we can't allow this president or other presidents to get away with all this. And that that is an important concept about setting precedent, just as when President Nixon uh, resigned because it became clear that he was a crook, that he had done all these things, even though he said he hadn't. And then um, a month later, Gerald Ford, in order to prevent a tremendous focus on um, the ex-president, gave him a complete and absolute federal pardon for anything he had done or might have done that we didn't know about. And I remember at the time, how could you do this? And I, uh, President Ford had given, I didn't like him. I, I mentioned this is one of the podcasts. President Ford had said to the nation and had given this extraordinary speech right after um, President Nixon flew off, by the way, this is ironic, by helicopter um, from the White House and left that scene on August 9th, I guess it was, 1974, after giving a speech about that he'll resign at noon and he left and then President Ford gave an amazing speech. And I didn't, I went to school in Michigan and he was the minority leader uh, Republican minority leader of the House, and I was not a Gerald Ford fan, but he came out with this very short speech, part of which said, um, our Constitution works. Our nation is a nation of laws, not of men. That's what he said at the beginning of that, and I thought it was short, it was succinct, it was amazing. And then a month later, he pardoned the President of the United States, and I remember having a whole battle with uh, a wonderful person at, in Luce's publishing company at work, an older fellow who was in charge of that division, and he was explaining why that made sense, it was pragmatic, it was logical, otherwise the nation would descend into all this partisan fighting. And, I, and at that point, I listened to what he had to say, and I, I still violently disagreed. I just felt it would set a bad precedent. And now, here it is, 40 plus 45 years later, 46 years later. And it's exactly the kind of thing that we can have happening now. If something were to occur, whether with this president where a vice president Pence would pardon uh, President Trump for any crimes he may or might have committed in a federal way. And pr President Trump has already been using the pardon power several times in ways in which a lot of people are questioning, is this the wisest use? Is this the best use of that power? Okay, so I've shared with you now more, and I want to put this sort of to a close here, but here are some things I didn't say. I said that on Sunday, what was already happening in the sky, and what, we, what I call the cosmic calendar, the cycles of the day, that was affecting all Americans and everyone around the planet, which is only five days ago, four days ago, on January 26th, on Sunday, 2020, Venus and Mars were squaring each other. And that is always a volatile connection of any kind. The Fintorn Foundation, where I lived in Fintorn, the greatest group experience that I ever had in my life to learn about teamwork, to learn about group activities on, on as high a level as possible. And that's already now 40 40 plus years ago. In the chart for Fintorn for November 17, 1962, Venus and Mars are squaring each other, the same exact alignment that happened this past Sunday. And Venus square Mars happens twice every two years approximately, and in different signs in different ways. And 
when Venus and Mars are squaring each other, the feminine and the masculine energies are in a tense relationship. It's not necessarily a bad relationship, but it is tense. So that was one of the big alignments literally on that day. I knew it was going to be happening. Of course, no one knew unless they were overwhelmingly psychic that a person on the level of Kobe Bryant, the, the baseball coach, the, the three girls, the family members, the pilot, these nine people on the helicopter, that there was going to be all this fog and that this terrible, possibly, probably preventable tragedy was about to happen. Then we're already in the midst of Venus squaring Mars. The next day, what I didn't say, which was this past Monday, Venus and Neptune were converging. That only happens every year. Normally that can represent a heightening of idealism and creative imagination and love energies. It's a very exalted energy, particularly where it occurred in the sign Pisces. In, in uh, traditional astrology, Venus is said to be exalted in Pisces. Venus rules Taurus, an earth sign. It's also considered the main ruler of Libra, even though since the discovery of the four main asteroids, asteroids like Juno um, and Pallas, Athena, to me, are very associated with Libra. I would associate more Ceres and Vesta to Virgo. I mean, if I had a choice of signs and if we were going to parcel out which asteroids were connected to which signs, in my opinion. Um, so Venus rules Taurus, the first Earth sign, and it also rules Libra, but it's exalted in Pisces. And so 24 hours, less than 24 hours after um, the helicopter crash, Venus and Neptune are coming into their annual conjunction. There is, in any alignment, whether a square, a conjunction, an opposition, a trine of 120 degrees, a sextile of 60 degrees or whatever, minor aspect, there's always a low and a middle or a high level at which any of these aspects can affect people, whether in a birth chart, whether in transits or progressions. It do, Just because something is tense or at right angles or opposite, those can be strengthening. They can be reinforcing. Same thing for any of you with birth charts. You may have had your chart done or looked at things and feel disappointed that there are these squares or oppositions. Well, take a look at the Swiss psychotherapist Carl Jung's birth chart at some point um, with, with sun and moon both squaring outer planets, Uranus and Neptune. Um, even though he became an incredible person, uh, voluminous amounts of material as a master psychologist and psychiatrist uh, and also studied astrology, particularly marriage charts as well as things like UFOs and whatever you want to study about Carl Jung, if he had gone as a as a kid to an astrologer, they might have been shaking their head and not in a positive way if he had asked questions like, what does my chart uh, entail? You know, where am I going in this life? And if they had used a kind of negative interpretation of squares like Sun square Neptune or Moon square Uranus, which is what he was born with, and they had said, look, uh, this does not look like a very good life for you. You've got some really tense aspects because a lot of astrologers now might say things like squares are bad or negative, just like they'll say Mercury retrograde is bad, which I've, again, I'm saying is is not a bad thing. It could be, anything could be difficult, but it, it doesn't have to be. And in, as, as I shared in The Truth About Mercury Retrograde in that podcast, dozens of amazing 
people larger than life in all fields of life are born with Mercury retrograde. And that's one of the situations at, at Kobe Bryant's birth. And when you look at his ball handling, his, his dunks, just his competitive urge and so on, one can see that incredible power uh, of the use of his hands. Most astrologers will consider that Mercury rules hand and hand-eye coordination. So there, there you've got, you know, the, the lion, Mercury and Leo at his birth, along with the head of, a, of knowledge and wisdom, Sun in Virgo, Saturn in Virgo. By the way, Kobe Bryant is also born, if the 5 p.m. time is accurate or reasonably accurate, what's called the part of fortune, which is a synthesis of sun, moon, and rising. It's actually, you take the rising sign and you add the moon and you subtract the sun. There were um, Arabic astrology from a thousand years ago. They worked with a lot of mathematics, just like we have algebra. They worked with um, astrology in a rather mathematical way. And there were all these different parts, part of marriage, the part of life, the part of death, the part of children, and so on. The one main part that is used in regular charting in Western astrology is the part of fortune, which my teacher would say is a path of happiness. What's interesting is that the part of fortune by sign will change about every two hours, but the house position will stay the same that whole day. So where is the part of fortune for Kobe Bryant? It's in Virgo, which again, the idea of the worth ethic, to be organized, to be efficient, eventually him coaching his daughter's team and being someone who wanted to pass on his knowledge and wisdom to others. But it's also in the ninth house. And notice that in his ninth house, the ninth house has a lot to do with philosophy of life. Remember, this is a person who won an Academy Award for writing uh, or creating this beautiful story, Dear Basketball, in a sense, honoring basketball, almost kind of like the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston sort of connecting with with God in his way from the Old Testament and bringing forth these commandments. I just think, again, him watching that kind of show and the whole idea of someone who had thought he was a prince of Egypt, realizing he was actually of the Jewish faith, and then going on this pilgrimage in his life, and then leading people who were enslaved to the promised land. Well, the promised land for, for Kobe Bryant was bringing championships to the Los Angeles Lakers. And he had always wanted to be a Los Angeles Laker. And now by looking at the chart for, for Los Angeles, we see Sun in Virgo, just like Kobe Bryant. Mercury in Leo, just like Kobe Bryant. Chiron, not only in the same sign of Taurus, but in within one degree of Kobe Bryant's Chiron and right where his moon is. And this is why I spent so much of the last podcast about the power of Chiron. And in mythology, Chiron was an immortal. But due to um, one of the labors of Hercules, where he was hit by a poison arrow and was in terrible pain, this whole kind of thing had to be arranged of freeing Prometheus, who had been uh, suffering, having his, his, his liver devoured by a griffin or an eagle, for stealing fire from the gods and this whole deal was made in mythology. Well, in exchange for releasing Prometheus, we'll release, we'll release Chiron from his pain and be able to allow him to die where he then becomes immortalized as the 
constellation Centaurus or Sagittarius or both. The, the, the head of a, of a person and the body of a, of a horse. Okay, now Kobe Bryant does have Pallas, Athena, Vesta, and Neptune in Sagittarius. So he, and I mentioned the last one, his Pallas Athena connects up with the ascendant or rising degree we use, we've used for decades now from the Declaration of Independence, the Barry Lines um, rectified chart for the United States with seven plus of Sagittarius rising. We see um, Kobe Bryant's Pallas Athena there, which again is the Zeus, Pallas, Athena, uh, Jupiter, Pallas connection of father-daughter. And we know for sure that in these last several years, uh, Kobe Bryant was 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 kind of an ex this extraordinary figure energizing um, women's sports, particularly, um, again, his daughter's basketball team and so much for women's sports, including what was ha what's happening here at the University of Oregon with women's basketball. So he's born with not just strong Virgo, as well as the North Node in Virgo, which is in his ninth house. The ninth house has a lot to do with idealism, philosophy of life, but as a sort of connector to the sign Sagittarius, Sagittarius is, is often connected to long distance journeys, philosophy of life, goals, creating strong goals. Well, obviously he was unbelievably goal oriented, not just literally with, with shooting hoops and scoring with all the points, but in the goal of bringing Los Angeles Lakers all these championships after Phil Jackson had won six with the Bulls. So even that, was obviously ordained or in a sense fated or destiny that Phil Jackson would go over to the Los Angeles Lakers and with his spiritual philosophy and emphasis, particularly unusual emphasis, undoubtedly on spiritual kind of telepathic almost rapport among the players, it's just an unusual or or synchronistic happening to see all these things in his, in his birth chart. And as, as I said in the last part, uh, Kobe Bryant was blessed with a Venus-Mars conjunction. So again, when he died, Venus and Mars were squaring each other. In the conjunction in um, Kobe Bryant's chart, Pluto is right in between the two of them, which can represent a, an underground, an underworld kind of urge, a will to power. So again, this kind of compulsion or compelling urge to create this beautiful kind of arc. That was the other thing in, in looking at the images that we see now. You know, even though Kobe Bryant was tall at six foot six, it's not as if he was seven foot one. So many of the other players in the NBA w were taller than he was. So he had to do that much more work to move himself upward and onward um, in all these other players guarding him and trying to prevent him from scoring and so on. So we see in the chart Venus conjunct Mars with Pluto there, and that this is the United States Saturn. Now, the other thing that's that's quite amazing that I didn't mention is that two days after his passing, only two days ago on Tuesday, January 28th, Mars and Neptune were squaring each other. So what I didn't mention the last time was Venus and Neptune came into a conjunction the day after his passing. On the day of his passing, we have a Venus-Mars square, which is the, the emotional tearing of, of, of the sports community, the basketball community, everyone in Los Angeles, people around the world who love Kobe Bryant and 
the whole connection there again of the family energy and the, the, the parental child connection with everyone who was lost on board. So all of these kind of things as Venus and Mars are squaring on the day of the crash, the day after Venus and Neptune with Venus being exalted in the sign Pisces, again, the last water sign, we, we think of the waves of emotion affecting everyone, the tears, all the different things that everybody is saying, people saying, I'm sick, I can't stop crying, I can't, I can't think about it, um, can't have my normal reality, which I brought up again, the power of Chiron in his own birth chart, where he has moon conjunct Chiron, and his Chiron is conjunct the Chiron for Los Angeles. And at the time of his passing with the helicopter crash, Chiron is, is on the horizon. And in the five minutes or so before, during all that fog and the pilot who is experiencing a Chiron return, he can't find a place to land. And then this terrible accident happens. Um, so Mars and Neptune then two days ago or two days after the, the crash are in a square relationship. And this is very important because I already brought up the fact, even though I did not give out the, the chart for the U.S., during this time period of 39 minutes between 9.06 a.m. when the helicopter took off from John Wayne Airport, ironically enough named, in Orange County, to go toward Thousand Oaks where the tournament was going to happen and the crash happened 39 minutes later at 9.45 a.m. Um, the moon was at 26 plus of Aquarius. And if you don't focus on the United States birth chart from July 4th of 1776, using the time that we have for that chart, in that chart for 4.47 and so on in the afternoon, the United States moon, and we have corroborated this over and over and over again, particularly my great colleague, Wayne Moody, um, and has done this over and over again in the pages of Welcome Planet Earth, many of the sharings we've had together, and in the constant charts that he sends to me, having to, this has to do with astrolocality, and the great astrocartography work of Jim Lewis, one of the pioneers in astrology. He, he wrote, as well as Wayne, of course, for Welcome to Planet Earth, they both came to the Planet Earth conferences we had in 1988, 1990. Again, I feel very fortunate for the group interaction of all these great astrologers who wrote for Welcome to Planet Earth as a pioneering astrology magazine, particularly on mundane or Earth astrology. The relationships we established, doing the conferences, coordinating all of that. Um, I was very sad that it had to end, which was back in 2000. There were reasons for that. But... Um, I still wish everybody well and over the course of time have been in contact with many of the writers and, and still remain so. I, I bring this up, though, that in the United States birth chart, one of the problems for our country, we didn't know it in the beginning because we didn't know where Neptune was. Neptune wasn't discovered until 1846. Once Neptune was discovered and placed in the United States chart, it's located at 22 degrees of Virgo. And that's pretty close, by the way, to the part of fortune in Kobe Bryant's chart. It's not far from his north node, his fate destiny point, also in Virgo. And so Neptune is in the top of the chart, and it's squared by Mars in Gemini. So the United States actually was born, and this is part of a, kind of a conflict that reappears during, it came through during the 1850s in the lead up to the Civil War, during the Civil War, so many other things in our nation's history, 
that are happening even now, the Me Too movement, the, the split in politics that we have now that's so extreme, um, all, all kinds of terrible things of discrimination against bl the black minority, against Latinos, particularly now under President Trump with the border issues, the, the way we've treated the Native American culture over hundreds of years and on and on. So whether it's uh, colonialism, imperialism, slavery, and all of these kind of issues, a lot of people now feel, oh, well, you know, we just can't deal with all of that. But we do. The country to survive for its higher mission as a melting pot for all different ethnic groups and religious groups and races, that's what America is. And we now have this as a, as a counterpoint here with the government. This was always going to come up, I felt, after eight years of, of President Obama, who was not the first black president. He was the first black white president. And I explain, I've, I've tried to explain this over and over again, but because the people on the right don't want either a minority figure, whether it be a black person, a Latino person, it could be of any race other than what is considered the main, whether it be the white race, however they want to look at it, certainly don't also, we have never allowed a woman to become president. Uh, Geraldine Ferraro uh, ran with uh, Walter Mondale. They got heavily defeated by Ronald Reagan. That's a whole other issue of what happened in 1984. Uh, and now what happened with Hillary Clinton when winning the the popular vote, but not winning the electoral vote. And that's another issue of uh, the importance of people actually, uh, candidates going to all of the states or all the major states and campaigning as hard as possible, not assuming one can win any particular state. Have, that's a big issue for 2020. It will be again in 2024 and on and on. Whoever's running, whatever party, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green, socialist, progressive, whatever the parties are, you got to go to all the all the states, particularly the ones that are toss-up and so on, and you need to send as many people there so that if you are going to lose, you've done everything possible to win your election. Anyway, um, so there we have in, in the last 20, 48 hours, and as the helicopter uh, crashing on Sunday, um, January 26th, we're within sight of Mars squaring Neptune. So that was on the verge of happening. And in astrology, you don't have to have exact alignments, okay? They don't have to be exact. They can be approaching or what we call applying. So it is also astounding, as I said, this how the power of Chiron through all of these different charts and all the different stories I mentioned is so profound. Kobe Bryant is a wounded healer. He will always therefore be that way because he has died young. The tragedy along with his daughter there. And um, I, I think you know, the, the age of these daughters, 13, and, it, and just knowing what my own daughters have experienced and other uh, girls of that particular age, people who I've loved and cared about, and just as boys as well. The fact that I went through a bar mitzvah uh, uh, ceremony in the Jewish religion, which is to become a man, um, it's also when you think of ages 11, 12, it's not until 13 that 
really bring in the term teenager, so 13, 14, 15. There is something about 13. And 13 is connected. There are 13 uh, lunar returns that each of us have in a year. And even though 12 is considered a major number with the signs of the zodiac, the Knights of the Round Table, um, how we break up seasons and signs of the zodiac and elements and things in the field of astrology, the, the lunar energy um, and what, what are called the lunar divisions of the zodiac are very significant, significant in terms of 13. And um, that's just interesting to know about the fact that, for instance, in secondary progressions, the moon comes back when you're 27 years and three months, which would be two times 13 plus years. So 13 plus lunar cycles in a main calendar year of about 364 days. If you multiply 27, uh, 27 plus days of a moon cycle times 13 or 13 times in a year, you get pretty much the calendar year, at least the approximate number of days in a calendar year. And so that's where 13 comes in as a very powerful number. Interestingly enough, Kobe Bryant has Mars um, at 13 degrees of Libra, and it was Mars that was passing on top of his Neptune in Sagittarius in his 12th house when, when the helicopter crashed. So Mars squaring Neptune is another reason in the two days after um, this terrible tragedy that the nation is mourning because we were born with Mars squaring Neptune um, as a nation. And then with the passing of Kobe Bryant, we have Mars squaring Neptune again, as well as the moon being exactly coming back to where it was at 27 degrees Aquarius. And again, the United States moon, if I said Mars, I meant the United States moon at 27 of Aquarius is conjunct Pallas Athena. We didn't know that in 1776 because Pallas Athena hadn't been discovered until 1802. Uh, during, again, the Jefferson administration, then we w were able, uh, particularly after Eleanor Bach came out with the first asteroid ephemeris in 1973, um, but also just to be able to put into software and charts, lo and behold, Pallas Athena conjunct the moon, 27 degrees Aquarius on the day uh, that the United States began uh, during its Declaration of Independence. And that was exactly the moon when Kobe Bryant passed away. A couple of other things that are very interesting here um, that I'd be remiss if I don't say it to close out here. In the Los Angeles chart, um, by the way, um, the Los Angeles chart that I have on the website is for 9.18 in the morning. And that's seven minutes different than Mark Penfield's rectific rectification chart for Los Angeles, which is the, the one that I actually use. Um, this chart is actually accurate uh, because the difference is, is the computers want to put local mean time in 1781 because there wasn't Pacific Standard Time. But in Mark Pen's, Penfield's research for Los Angeles, he's using Pacific Standard Time. Anyway, to make a long story short, this is the, the chart. The actual chart wheel for Los Angeles is exactly the same chart wheel in Horoscopes of the Western Hemisphere, this amazing book by the great astrologer, and researcher Mark Penfield, you'll see in this chart 28 plus of Libra rising, 
You'll see one plus Leo at the Midhaven. Those are the positions that are in the book uh, Horoscopes of the Western Hemisphere. A couple other things about this chart that are interesting. So, so like I said, it's amazing and beyond coincidence that Los Angeles, the place that where Kobe Bryant wanted to always play for, has the same Chiron uh, that he has, because that can only happen every 50 years, okay? So fundamentally, if I'm trying to think here. Yeah, so four cycles of Chiron later, if you multiply 50 times four, you get 200. Uh, actually, well, let's put it this way. Uh, the cycles of Chiron are between about 49 years to 50 to 51 years. So Chiron came back when he was born. So they have the same Chiron, and this only happens about every 49 years or so. So to have the same Chiron when he dies in the helicopter crash with his daughter and all the seven people on board is now a double wounded healer type experience of loss. One, you know, to have the city have its own uh, agent, uh, this this amazing basketball player who has the same Chiron, and to have this whole thing happen when Chiron is rising and he dies not in Greater Los Angeles, um, and then the the Emmy Awards are happening in Los Angeles that night, so you have multiple levels of of Chironic experience, as I said. The foretelling of this in a terrible way goes back to the Aquarius new moon that happened two days before the helicopter crash with the sun and moon at four plus of Aquarius. And when I looked at the Los Angeles chart uh, on my computer 24 or so hours ago, I wasn't even ready to do this. And then I saw, oh my gosh, the new moon on January 24th is exactly on Pluto which is in the fourth house of home and roots and foundations for Los Angeles. So we see that what was happening is on multiple levels, the fate destiny energies are at work here that are all, I hate to use the word negatively, but negatively coordinating that wind up producing what may have been a preventable tragedy if, again, the pilot had received other equipment, or they had officially grounded this helicopter, um, they allowed it to go. And again, in the future, I'm sure private helicopters, not just in Los Angeles, but other areas, there's going to be some rules because of this terrible tragedy, uh, what you can fly in and what you can't fly in. There's got to be some kind of changes that happen because of this. So, um, there, and there are a number of other things. We see Saturn at 13 to 14 of Sagittarius in the chart for Los Angeles. Notice that Kobe Bryant has Vesta conjunct Neptune. Okay, Vesta conjunct Neptune in Sagittarius. And Los Angeles has Vesta at 15 of Virgo squaring his Neptune. So there's Virgo. Uh, Vesta has a lot to do with safety and security uh, and many other things, sisterhoods as well. So there is this, this friction that was existing there in Los Angeles where Vesta at 15 of Virgo conjunct the sun for Los Angeles is in a square 90 degree relationship 
to his Vesta and Neptune. Now, that that square may have been his description of why did he start doing the helicopter rides. He started doing the helicopter rides, according to him, because traffic in the greater Los Angeles area was crazy. Uh, in other words, the car tra- traffic to get from one place to another. And so with the money he had, he made this investment and was able to have this helicopter again, which was more personalized for him, I believe, most of the time, if not all the time, to allow him more quickly, in his view, to get to Thousand Oaks and these other, wherever he needed to do this stuff for tournaments and other things for, for his daughter Gigi, as well as for other events, so they didn't have to be in traffic. So again, that's another ironic part to all of this of how that happened. And we do see, it's it, in other words, there is friction between the chart for Los Angeles having to do with safety and security and his own chart. And again, this is also kind of uh, remarkable that Los Angeles with the sun at 12 plus a Virgo and Saturn at 13 plus a Sagittarius, because I had never really looked at this before in that way. That's the exact Sun-Saturn square that appears in the United States birth chart for July 4th of 1776. It's not in the same signs. For America, it's Sun in Cancer and Saturn in Libra. But what's interesting is it's it's what we call a waning square of 90 degrees. The Sun relative to Saturn is the faster moving body. So when Los Angeles on September 4th, 1781, becomes a city, is born, the Sun and Saturn are mimicking or in a mirror relationship to when the nation is born on July 4th of 1776, which had only been four and a half years, four and three quarter years earlier. Okay, well, let's see, five years earlier. In other words, July of 1776. Um, the Sun and Saturn are square, the Declaration of Independence happens, the Sun is in Cancer, Saturn is Libra, and again, it's sorry, it's five years and a couple of months later, Los Angeles, by the way, becoming a city only about six weeks before the Battle of Yorktown. It's also the year that Uranus is discovered in the opposite part of the year, where Uranus, the planet of radical tra- change and transformation, which was also the planet exactly on the fourth house cusp of home uh, and roots in Kobe Bryant's chart when the helicopter crashed. And again, Uranus has totally to do with shocks and surprises and aviation and aviation type of equipment. So that is not um, that is not a comforting kind of thing. Uh, Kobe Bryant was born with Uranus overhead in the 10th house, which is also showing that things like globe trotting and flying you know, which of course teams have to do NBA teams and baseball teams and football teams, they're flying all the time. So his Uranus overhead is also part of being a kind of emissary of the future. Uranus is considered somebody who's who's um, revolutionary. So clearly Kobe Bryant is also a revolutionary figure, even though he's got the son with Saturn, uh, the father principle, honoring his own father as a coach, People like Phil Jackson, again, um, who had coached him. Um, the fact that another amazing coach was on that hel- helicopter f- flight coaching his own daughter um, and being in, in the field of baseball and considered an incredible coach as well. So we have all of these unusual configurations. Uh, I, 
I th and also the fact, one other thing that I didn't mention, in the Los Angeles chart, we see the moon at three of Aries. And that is where Chiron, um, that was fundamentally the ascendant or rising point with the helicopter crash, Chiron at two plus of Aries and the rising degree at four plus of Aries. And the moon is at three plus of Aries in this particular chart. By the way, there's a, there's a Pythagorean triangle, a three, four, five triangle of 90 degrees, 120 degrees and 150 degrees in the Los Angeles chart, which is pretty uh, exact. The moon at three plus of Aries, Juno at two plus of Sagittarius and Uranus at two plus of Cancer. Uh, this is also configured with Neptune at four plus of Libra and Venus at seven plus of Libra. So it's a Pythagorean triangle that then becomes uh, another Pythagorean triangle. And another thing that this brings up is that at the moment that the helicopter crash happened with four plus of Aries on the ascendant in Calabasas, this is exactly opposite to Neptune in the chart for Los Angeles at four plus a Libra. We could go on and on here. There are so many connections. But the reason I wanted to do this part too and felt it was necessary is that unless you look at all of these things, one might tend to think, oh, well, here are the transits. This is what happened to Kobe's chart. But because of so many of these other factors, the Chiron factors, the Pallas Athena factors, the moon factors, uh, the United States moon coming back um, to its own position. Los Angeles's chart involved with Kobe, Kobe Bryant and his, his natal chart. Um, we see the synthesis of all these other things. One other thing I should mention, since I've spent a lot more time now in part two that I imagined, is that when someone passes away, and again, this is the passing away chart for all nine people on the helicopter, not just Kobe Bryant. But notice again, Mars in the ninth house of this chart for the for when the helicopter crashed. So, so you have a kind of archetypal chart wheel. Aries, the first sign, is on the first house. Again, I've mentioned very strongly Chiron rising. So you get the wounded healer and this whole issue of mortality versus immortality. Um, the the idea of being a catalyst and being a maverick, just like like a person like Moses in the Ten Commandments and the magic of what he had to do to lead the Israelites to the Promised Land and what Kobe did with his magic going from high school into the pros to lead the Los Angeles Lakers to five national championships. We see Mars in the ninth house, Mars and Sagittarius, certainly representing all these sports people on board. And um, then again, Sagittarius having a lot to do with goal orientation and excelling in athletics. Notice as well the extraordinary emphasis on houses 10, 11, and 12, the concentration in those areas. In general, the more planets or celestial bodies in the upper half of the chart than the lower half, whether by transit or in a natal chart, um, the upper half of the chart generally focuses on outside or externalized forces, uh, what you're trying to accomplish in the outside world. Notice how many planets in Kobe Bryant's birth chart are up or elevated in the upper half of the chart. Notice again the enormous concentration of celestial bodies up or visible in the upper half of the chart for when the, um, uh, the helicopter crash. Uh, yeah, there's just, there are just so many different factors in here. Certainly the fact that the sun 
Mercury and the Moon are all in Aquarius in the helicopter crash is pointing up what I what I've shared so much in the earlier part of this this part two about teamwork about group consciousness group consciousness the whole idea of building the age of Aquarius after two thousand years of the age of Pisces moving more from devotion and idealism uh, in terms of religion or philosophy of of an individual longing or goal or ideal that one is trying to fulfill to teamwork groups coordinating through telepathy through um, the power of the mind power of thinking we're moving into that 2000 year cycle i'll have more to say about that um, in a few in several future podcasts and again the enormous number of capricorn energies the 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 final earth sign of the zodiac where we see Pallas, the south of the moon the largest planet jupiter the second largest planet saturn the largest asteroid series and pluto all together there in the upper part of the chart those energies had become very prominent january 10th january 12th january 13th during the nine conjunctions of celestial bodies including sun moon mercury with all these planets in the sign capricorn and we had just come from that two weeks before during the full moon time period so um by the way one other thing in this chart for the helicopter crash is vesta at 14 plus of taurus 14 plus that's in the second house in this particular chart um and the reason i bring that up is 14 plus of taurus keeps showing up a lot in in various kinds of uh, work that i'm doing it's the rising degree for almost every president inaugurated on January 20th since it started with Roosevelt after the Constitution was changed it used to be March 4th was when presidents were inaugurated for uh, hundreds of couple you know 150 years or from 1793 onward uh, March 4th was the, was the date uh, Washington was inaugurated on April 30th of 1789 because he couldn't get to uh, to uh, New York City by March 4th and that's that's way before Washington DC had ever become the nation's capital and but then in subsequent years March 4th was considered the date for presidents inaugurated and again we had this beautiful triangle uh, equilateral triangle of the nation being born with the sun in cancer July 4th the election time being in Scorpio uh, the second water sign in early November and then presidents coming into power in early Pisces March 4th that creates a, a solar equilateral triangle and because of changes that wanted to be made or needed to be made in in terms of not having lame duck sessions in Congress from one election uh, waiting until the next president took office they moved the presidential inauguration date from March 4th to January 20th and by doing that and, and having that in the Constitution where it's basically um, a chronological Saturnian karmic reality that uh, presidents take over at noon January 20th um, of the of their presidential year well the ascendant or rising degree is almost always 14 plus a Taurus so in President Trump's inaugural chart from 2017 14 plus of Taurus is on the ascendant that is where Vesta is located at this helicopter crash 
this this terrible tragedy vesta itself has a lot to do with safety and security and again if out of this terrible tragedy um helicopters you know we hear a lot about there are a lot of helicopter i mean maybe not a lot but a lot of um dangers with helicopters there have been a number of terrible things and one happened recently in hawaii another one around the grand canyon you know of helicopters not heating their surroundings or something going haywire and maybe not having enough equipment on board. And I think that is something that could come out of this. So Vesta on the ascendant of the president inaugural chart is saying, hey, government, federal government, there needs to be rules and regulations for these kind of helicopters so that this kind of tragedy doesn't happen to, to anybody let alone another superstar of the order of a Kobe Bryant and this terrible loss that's afflicted the country and around the world at this time. So I may have left some more things out. Again, sorry to have a really long second session, but it, it, I feel that at least at this point, I'm able to have uh, put in some of the other positions I wanted to talk about in Kobe Bryant's birth chart about the importance of when when people pass away, the chart for their passing is basically kind of a statement of of what they did with all the energies from their own birth. What are we trying to say to the world of what we're trying to accomplish? And certainly there's a whole lot in the passing of all these nine souls and spirits in this chart. And I let everybody else talk about what they think is significant to me, certainly palace right at the top of the chart as the father-daughter or parent-daughter energies is, is of great importance. The knowledge and wisdom energy that is shared from coaches to, to players and from parents to children. So we see the palace Athena directly above and this whole idea of um, knowledge and wisdom of the power of the mind and thinking and communication, particularly through the feminine principle. And then to see Chiron rising uh, brings up the whole idea of mortality and immortality and shamans and mentors. Um, this whole idea of deja vu all over again, as I talked about with sports uh, in part one, the some of the ironies there. But that, as as was said in the, in the Shakespearean um, plays, there's more things in heaven and earth and are dreamt of in your philosophy in, in uh, Hamlet. So this idea of this otherworldly kind of energies, particularly coming through Chiron in the storyline and Chiron on the horizon and Chiron uh, and the moon together for Kobe Bryant and Chiron for Los Angeles in the same spot. And so many of these heroes like Yogi Berra or Kirk Gibson um, with Chiron very, very strong. And the fact that the United States has Chiron opposite Juno as the main energy field. And before you know it, in a couple of years, we'll have another Chiron return going on. So thank you very much for listening to part two. Again, many blessings on all levels for the souls and spirits that have passed and for all the families, for all the fans out there, uh, and for, for my own readers and and students. Um, I hope I've been able to give some um, educational ideas about how astrology works in all this. Uh, I wish I didn't have to have shared these two particular podcasts, but um, 
at this point, I think it was necessary to do that and also to wait a couple of days before actually having it done. Thank you again for listening. Many blessings. Bye for now.